Hello, and welcome to episode nine of Jobs to Journeys, a podcast about how people learn, grow, and find meaning in the workplace. My name is Gabe Gloga, and each week I talk with my friend and co-host Doug Weitz about whatever topics we're wrestling with and try to help each other clarify these ideas and hopefully add a little knowledge and insight to the world of workplace learning. This week we discuss mattering. What does it mean to matter within your organization? Why is that important? How does it affect business performance, team cohesion, and talent flow? And how do you create the cultural infrastructure for mattering? We cover such important topics as the economic drag of matcha lattes and meditation rooms, how to balance touchy-feely culture with bottom-line business goals, the relationship between meaning and mattering, whether every employee actually needs to matter, and what railroad protocols have to do with helping employees feel seen and heard, and much more. This podcast is brought to you by Cultivate Me, which helps people and organizations use their everyday work as a platform for growth, both as professionals and as people. If you're curious about any of the ideas we discuss on the show, or you just want to connect, you can always send an email to hello at cultivateme.xyz. We'd love to hear from you. And now on to the show. Hello, Doug. Hello, Gabe. I like that microphone you've got there. It's big and fancy. <laughs> it's right there in front of my face, but right. I can't. <laughs> I feel like you're right here with me. <laughs> Fantastic. So I, we... I, I can't wait to share with you this article I read. And, and Yeah, yeah. You sent me the link. I, I kind of scanned it. It really resonates with me. I love this word mattering. I want to get your take on it. And I have the sense that that this is going to be a, a dialectic where we both challenge each other's assumptions in order to arrive at the truth. Because a lot of this resonated with me. At the same time, I have some areas that I want to push back on and see what happens. So Great. I'll hand it Let's over see. to you. Lead, lead the way. What? Well, okay. So first of all, this is from an article from Forbes called Mattering is the Top Leadership Skill for Retaining Employees According to Research. And there's all kinds of research built into it. Um, but really like, well, first of all, the term is something I haven't heard before. Obviously, I've heard of the concept of mattering, right? Mm -hmm. But using it as sort of like a business term to uh, to capture this feeling that I absolutely know for certain people have about feeling like they want to be valued, right? I mean, it's about, it's being valued. Mm -hmm. um, and what I found particularly interesting, what really drew me into this, this topic was that the acknowledgement that kind of both sides have a role to play, the employee and the employer, right? Because a lot of these articles you read about like leadership and stuff, are always about what can the employer do? And we've been spending a lot of time on this podcast. I mean, our last one, when we talked about gardening and, you know, we talked about the gardener and the plants, right? Um, that it's not just the responsibility of the gardener, but the plants have a role to play as well. So I thought it was really uh, just accurate and, and responsible to kind of recognize that both sides have, have a part to play. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I have some thoughts on this, but do did you want to kick it off with like a question or a? I, why don't you tell me what are the walk me through the the key points of the article? Um, I guess the question is, what is mattering, right? Like, what is that? And it, and it yeah. frames it as a as a leadership skill. And I I worry a little bit when I read that because it kind of sounds like conversating. You know, like are we are we taking old stuff and kind of putting a new a new wrapper on it? But having said all that, if if mattering is a skill that managers must or that leaders, let's say, must learn for retaining employees, what are the components of that skill? What does that skill look like in action? Yeah. All right. So let me let me try to break it down. In the best way I can. Obviously, I didn't write the article, but I, it really resonated with me. And I feel like I've said these things before as well. Um, so I, I think the the title is actually a little bit misleading. Um, I don't think they mean that, that it's a top leadership skill. I think what they mean is like, in order to lead an organization, you need to be aware of this thing called mattering, right? Because it is the reason you are keeping the people you're keeping and losing the people you're losing, right? The people you're keeping are the people who feel like they matter because people like to matter and they like to stick around in a place where they feel like they matter. And the people who leave are the people who feel like they don't matter. No one's going to care if I leave. No one cares that I'm even here, right? I'm going to go someplace where I matter. Um, Absolutely. So that so that's so it's not so much that it's a leadership skill to create mattering. It's it's like it's an awareness of the concept, right? And then I think you know the reason that this is timely. Uh, you know they talk about quiet quitting, of course, which you know it's funny the way they talk about quiet quitting is really interesting because um, when if you think about it, like quiet quitting is like somebody sort of like scaling back their contribution to the point where they become essentially invisible. Right. Yeah. And um, so there was this neat juxtaposition where like, if you are quiet quitting, if you're scaling back so much that you're becoming invisible, well then clearly no one is going to recognize your contributions. Right. Because they don't even know you're there. Right. And you're invisible. yeah, you're invisible. So th- there was the so the part about both the employee and the employer having a role to play plays into this beautifully because what they say is that as an employee, your job is really to um, to make sure you're seen, make your value known, right? Like speak up and say like, here's what I'm up to, here's what I'm doing, here's what I've accomplished, right? Make that clear. Quiet quitting is essentially the opposite of that. You're saying like, don't look at me. I'm not doing anything. I'm not raising any red flags. I'm not, you know, causing any trouble. I'm over here. Ignore me. And if you look away long enough, I'll disappear, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so there was, there was sort of like this, in a way it was letting employers off the hook a little bit vis-a-vis the quiet quitting thing. Meaning that like, look, if people are quiet quitting, they're not doing their part to show you what they are contributing. So it's perfectly reasonable that you're not seeing what they're contributing. And so it's perfectly reasonable that you're not recognizing their contributions, right? Um, so So they sort of frame it as like, it starts with the employee, like do good work, 
but also make part of your job showing people that you are doing good work and like shouting from the rooftops, hey, take a look at the work I'm doing, you know, not just sort of quietly slogging through. Um, so so that so that's like a piece of of what the article kind of breaks down. And then it it again, another reason why this is timely is because of the rom- the remote work, you know, revolution. Because again, naturally, it makes it's harder to be seen. It's harder to be visible when you are at home, right? I mean, when you're in the when everybody's in the office and everybody's bumping into one another, you know, at the water cooler and physically seeing one another, you're over there, I'm over here, you know, um, it's easy to be seen. And I, I mean, in the most literal sense, like people are using their eyes and literally seeing you, right? The only way you're seeing somebody who's working remotely is if you set something up in order to see one another, right? It's, it's, much, it's much more ham-handed, much, much less organic and natural. Um, so in the remote work world, employees have to do even more to make sure that employers see their contributions. And employers need to do even more to look out for employee contributions and recognize them. Yeah. Um, there are four things that you noticed in this uh, article when it comes to mattering. Um, sorry, I have so many thoughts uh, on what you said. I can't quite narrow it down. I guess. Um, you know, I wrote down touchy feely. Yeah. And talk, talk, um, talk about that a little. Let's talk about touchy feely. So I, I, this is something I struggle with a lot. Um, <clears throat> is this sort of battle between businesses about delivering value to a customer for a profit, right? Um, and there's a very bottom line, what's the word? Discipline that is necessary in order for a business to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and that oftentimes that bottom line discipline strips out the humanity of being part of an organization or part of a team that's working together to deliver something. Um, and so... So I think that's, you know, that's one end of the spectrum is the sort of extreme anti-human hit the deadlines, hit the targets, um, hurry it up or you're fired kind of caricature, right? Of, of um, super ultra driven businesses, right? Yeah. I don't care about you and your problems. I hired you to do a job, do the fucking job. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've literally heard people say those words. Yeah, yeah. Um, on the other end of the extreme is the like drowning in perks, you know, the like matcha lattes for free in the break room and, um, you know, the, the, the gym memberships and the yoga mats and the nap rooms for meditation 
And all of this stuff goes on. Like I've seen these TikTok videos lately of, you know, these like young 20 somethings that work at Twitter or uh, uh, I can't think of, you know, LinkedIn or something like that, doing like a day in the life. And it looks like they're on vacation. <laughs> like literally, it looks like my vacations where occasionally I have to take a work call on my laptop, you know, like in the <laughs> middle of my vacation. But in the meantime, they're like meditating and, you know, getting smoothies and like hanging out and, you know. Um, and so I, I don't think that I don't think that's meaningful. And I guess the thing that I wrote down is maybe we can it'll this question will be better addressed when we get into the, the nitty gritty of what it means to create meaning or, or, or mattering. But I wrote down, when does mattering become coddling? Mm-hmm. You know, and you and I have talked about this before and that no one wants a job, they want a journey. That doesn't mean journeys are comfortable or that journeys are easy, right? That there's a, there's a challenge that you must push through. And so when I hear the word mattering, I think of meaning. It's not synonymous, but just, you know, it, it, meaning is that the work I do seems to have some significance to me and to others, that it is valued, that it is having a positive impact on some person or community uh, in, in some regular way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mattering, I think, is, is recognizing that I'm the one doing that, right? That I am um, not entirely a replaceable cog, you know, in, in this machine that delivers value to customers at a profit. Um, and I think that, uh, what, what do I think? I think that mattering is, is somewhere in the middle, right? Between those two extremes of like, you know, ruthless business performance and, um, employee coddling that optimizes for happiness alone. Yeah, I, I think the 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 whole like break rooms and you know yoga meditation and matcha lattes and all that stuff. I don't think that stuff has anything to do with mattering actually. I mean, I think some employers may think it has to do with mattering. I think what it has to do with is psychological safety at best and just like shiny objects at worst, right? Like it's, it's one, you know, on the one hand, like if you just look at it through the lens of like employee, um, you know, attracting talent, you know, you can imagine people in the interview process come into the office, like let's walk around the office and I'll show you the place. And they go, well, over here is our yoga room. And here, would you like a free matcha latte? And look at all these happy people drinking lattes. Um, Like that's really like the, at worst, it's just sort of like a distracting, shiny thing that probably after a month of working there, you're going to be like, "Ugh, if I have another fucking matcha latte, I'm going to puke. <laughs> right. But the first month is awesome. Um, and before you get hired, you're like, mom, you're not going to believe this. Honey, you're not going to believe this. Friends, you're not going to believe this, you know. But then I think the charitable way of looking at that, and I, I'm sure some employers do it for this reason is to create psychological safety, to create a place where people feel comfortable so they can relax and open up and take off the mask and be themselves and feel like they're valued for who they are. Right. But I don't think that has anything, really, maybe anything to do with mattering. 
right? That's all setting the stage so that you can do the work and matter. <laughs> but yeah. it's not the actual work. I mean, there, there's no work involved. It's almost by definition, the opposite of work. Well, so I want to get into some of the, the, the components of mattering, because I think the, the very first one starts to point at what I was talking about, comfort versus difficult journeys and the importance of that when it, when it comes to meaning, which again, is not the same as, as mattering. And I think a lot of the like opulent break rooms uh, and the napping pods and whatnot is, is it. Uh, you know, a symptom of high-level leadership decisions in the abstract in response to surface-level employee surveys, so to speak, right? Like it feels very much kind of spreadsheet-driven, you know, and that, well, 87% of employees said that they you know, they find that they're taking time to go to Starbucks instead of working. It's okay, well, let's, you know, let's put an espresso machine and a barista in the break room. And that will reduce the percentage of time that people are spending not working and instead going down the street and stuff like that. Like it's, it, it feels like shuffling the deck chairs of of the, the meaning ship, you know, and the mattering ship. So, so tell me a little bit more about the the, the components of mattering. Well, so, I mean, the component, so there, remember, there are two sides to it. There's the employee side and the employer side, right? So if we look at the employee side first, um, I don't have a ton to say about this, but, you know, basically the bottom line is like employees have to, have to build into their job, making their value known, making their contributions known. So the way I sort of picture this is like, I just finished the project. And uh, maybe at the, you know, at the next team meeting, I say, can I have a second to just share with everybody like the project I just finished and how it went and what I learned from the experience, right? Um, and, you know, the team leader says, yeah, sure. And I get to talk about it for a minute and everybody sees like, oh, wow, he did something that wouldn't have been done had he not been here. Therefore, he matters, right? And I feel good about matter. You know, I feel like I matter, even if nobody acknowledges it, because I know if I didn't do it, nobody else would have done it. Um, and you know, and I've I've said it in front of other people, right? But then the ball's in their court, and this is the one that I found interesting: the employer role, which is sort of acknowledging employee contributions, and it sort of broke it down into four parts. There was coaching. And by the way, all of these are like perfectly lined up with what we do and what we believe, which is mm -hmm. probably a big part of why this resonated with me. Yeah. Um, there was the coaching piece, right? Employees want growth opportunities. And part of giving them growth opportunities is giving them an opportunity to talk to somebody and have that somebody listen and kind of help them solve their problems, right? Because really growing is about overcoming obstacles, right? Overcoming challenges and then being a stronger person on the other side, right? But a coach is a really valuable asset in doing that because you don't feel you're alone. You feel like you've got something, somebody cheering for you. You feel like you've got a talking partner who can really kind of help you 
sort out your thoughts. You can say them out loud without looking like an insane person. <laughs> um, and, you know, coaching is, a, is an important piece of that. There's so, sort of instant recognition built into that, too, because sure. now you as the employee are not the only person that understands the sort of internal world that that you have been living in over the past however long. Right? I mean, you talk about overcoming obstacles. There's a lot going on internally as you do that. Right? If a manager delegates something to someone and, and it's a challenge for that person, the manager's somewhat oblivious to it and they go off and they struggle the best that they can, especially if they're remote. Like no one has any idea what that person is going through, mm -hmm. trying to do something for the first time that they've never done, trying to prepare for what seem what might seem like a very high profile, um, you know, presentation or performance that they have to deal with and all the like anxiety that comes with that, that let's say an experienced manager just takes for granted now because they've been doing it for years and years. And so to be able to speak to someone else about that, um, you know, within a kind of coaching or a mentoring environment, um, in you know, instantly uh, duplicates the aware, you know, that 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 awareness. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the second one is is about mentorship, right? And the way I sort of interpreted their version of mentorship is like getting people who are in similar arenas, who are doing similar kinds of work, you know, i.e., a team together to be able to share what they're doing and what they're struggling with and maybe hear from somebody who also struggled with that but overcame it a year ago and can say like, oh, I totally know what you're struggling with. Do you want to hear how I overcame that very same thing? Because I did. And, you know, maybe you take my advice and maybe you don't, but like here it is. Um, and so creating those opportunities for the team to get together or at least for there to be some sort of formal mentorship um, is the second one that they sort of break down in terms of the employer's responsibility in creating mattering. Yeah. And you know what it makes me realize uh, is one of the, the big benefits of a mentor program is combating imposter syndrome for the mentor. Totally. They talk about that too. Ah, like I think one of the things that, and we talked about this back in what episode two or something like that. One of the things you start to realize as a mentor is like, hey, I guess I've kind of learned a thing or two over the years. Mm. You know, somebody comes to you and has some challenges, wants your advice um, and you give it to them and they go out and they try it and they come back and they're like, that thing you told me to do, wow, really worked. Thanks. And you're like, oh, oh, yeah. Okay, then, you know, <laughs> well, and, and you get people like like building more like leaders coming, growing into themselves as leaders by building this extra layer of, of, of secondary experiences, right. Of, of their ideas, their perspectives, their techniques and tactics going out into the world and providing similar value or effectiveness. Well, and they're, the leaders are not just leaders. They are also employees, right? So by setting up a mentorship situation, you are both providing a forum for employees to matter and leaders to matter, right? They're playing a role in listening and in hearing it, right? And also potentially giving advice and, you know, uh, really, you know, helping somebody to overcome something. So that's the second one. The third one was this, was creating employee appreciation initiatives 
right? Where there are real things in place. And, and all of these sort of fall into the category of like infrastructure, like growth infrastructure, which we mm. love talking about a yes. lot, right? And you can't really expect an individual employee to create infrastructure. That's clearly the responsibility of the organization. And who is the organization, if not the leaders of the organization, right? So they have to create the infrastructure. Once the infrastructure, and, and infrastructure can be as simple as on Tuesdays at 10 a.m., we meet and everybody talks about their challenges, and what they're going through right now. Yeah, th this is one of the things that bothers me so much about when companies say employees are responsible for their own development. You know, it's like it's like a government saying uh, citizens are responsible for getting from point A to point B, but there's no roads. <laughs> you know, and people are like I I mean. I just go through this forest then like there's no <laughs> what how do I you know um you're right absolutely like an individual employee can't be expected to create their own infrastructure or if they can and some will I mean I've done it you've done it like you know but but we're I don't know I don't want to say we're the exception to the rule but we started this company this podcast for a reason, right? Like this is our stuff. We love to do it, right? But then to expect if you've got a thousand employees, a thousand people to build their own infrastructure, it's like a thousand little roads all and it's gonna be a mess. It's, it's a gonna be mess. a total mess. Like you, I yeah. mean using the road example, if you're like, okay, everybody's responsible for getting from point A to point B, it would it would even be taking a step further and saying, and you need to create the road in front of your house, right? So like I create a road in front of my house based on what I think a road should be and the tools I happen to have and the materials are available to me. And you live next door and you create just a totally different kind of road. It's a different width and it's a different material. And so you can imagine any given person driving down the street and like going over gravel for part of it and going over for sand for part of it. And <laughs> partly it gets skinny and now it's fat and, you know, it would be insanity. So like the only way to, it's not only about creating infrastructure, but it's about creating like unified infrastructure, right? Something that is, is, that is consistent across the culture, across the organization, or at least across the team. It, and what does infrastructure do? It helps with flow, mm -hmm. right? Well-built roads, well-built uh, rail lines that, that adhere to a certain number of protocols that everyone can adapt to creates flow, smooth flow, fewer accidents, um, uh, more, what am I, uh, what am I trying to say? E efficiency, right? It kind of optimizes mm -hmm. things. And so when we talk about talent flow, you want to have some basic infrastructure or some common protocols that people can, can buy into or agree to uh, in order to create some efficiency when it comes to development and, and moving talent throughout your organization. Can I talk about the Growies? Talk about the Growies. <laughs> so the Growies is this- uh, It's an award ceremony for the weed industry. <laughs> it's, no? it's like a stand-in for any sort of like award ceremony that could happen once a year. It could happen once a month. It could happen organization-wide. It could happen team by team. But it's some sort of employee appreciation initiative 
based on growth and development, right? So it's not like you hit your numbers and brought in, you know, this much revenue or got, you know, six new clients or whatever. All that's important. And that should also be celebrated. And that is valuable. But our thing is all about people development and growth, right? So the growies are about stopping and saying, hey, these three people need to be acknowledged in front of a bunch of other people for their growth and development this quarter, this year, this month, this whatever. Um, and so one of the bullets here in this article about you know the employee, the employer's responsibility is about creating employee appreciation initiatives. So team members feel celebrated and acknowledged for all their hard work, right? So, and these can be really fun, you know, um, and silly. It's not like they have to give away, you know, a week's vacation and a $10,000 bonus. These can be like, you know, like I always think it's cool to do it kind of Stanley Cup style where like no one, there's some sort of trophy and no one ever owns it. You just own it for a time. Right. Um, and you get your name engraved on it or something or written yeah. on it in Sharpie. And yeah. then it moves on. And like, it's always somewhere and somebody's got a hold of it and you've ha- you had it at some point. Maybe you'll have it again. But like that yeah. thing becomes something that people seek because that is a symbol of mattering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you can have you can have the community vote on it as well. I mean, there's a number of different ways to do this, but um, if everyone's aware of what the award is, whether it's a serious award or a kind of fun and silly award, um, you know, there are, there are some simple ways to to crack that. You know, create a create a Google form, send it around, and, and uh, have you know, can't vote for yourself, um, mm-hmm. and you have a bunch of award car- uh, categories, and you know, you could riff on the Oscars, and people get up, and they could thank the Academy, you know, and uh-huh. all that stuff. Um, but it gets to it gets to what we talked about a few episodes ago with the four ways of knowing. This is about participatory knowing, right? It's it's a it's a way of you know b- belonging to an organization or a or a community or a culture that sees you. Yeah. So if you create, I mean, you said employee appreciation. I I I prefer the term employee recognition mm. because we are recognizing you. We are re cognizing you we are thinking about you again and we are updating the way that we think about you your identity in our minds is changing and evolving and growing and that when people feel that isn't happening that's i think when they really that's a huge trigger for people feeling like they don't matter you know uh you know think about someone who was promoted, right? And has a new title and a new team that they're leading, but someone keeps introducing them with the old title. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we do at camp, I'll, I'll sometimes talk to uh, counselors about this, about like, you know, what kind of employee do you want to be? What, what kind of team member do you want to be? If you didn't come in tomorrow, would anybody notice? Because if the answer is no, if nobody would notice, if you didn't come in, then why are we paying you? <laughs> right? Like, why are you on this team? Why do you even want to be on this team if nobody would even notice if you weren't here? 
You don't want to be that kind of team member, right? You want to be the kind of team member that goes, oh my God, why isn't Doug here today? I hope he's okay, first of all. Like, I care about him as a human being. And secondly, like, shit, we're going to be in a pinch today because we really count on him, right? He's accountable to this team and we count on him and we care about him and other people care about him. And like the team's going to have a hard time doing its job without him, right? That's the kind of team member you want to be. And I think I've never had that conversation with anybody. And typically it happens when somebody's sort of like floundering and not really contributing and kind of trying to weasel their way through the day with doing as little as possible kind of mm. character. Mm-hmm. And remember, I work with like teenagers, so they're learning how to be a contributing member of a team. But, um, you know, that there has never been an occasion where somebody goes, no, nah, you know what? I'd rather be the one who is invisible and no one cares about and they wouldn't even notice if I didn't show up. Like no one wants that. Everybody wants to be somebody who would be missed if they weren't there. Everybody. And that's what that's what mattering is about. Or they want to be at a place where they want to be that. Um, you know, the thing I wrote I wrote down earlier was uh, where is it? Maybe you wrote this down. What if an employee doesn't? Yeah, I wrote that down. What if an employee doesn't matter? And I, I, this comes back to our gardening conversation. This comes back to the idea of talent flow. It even gets to the point of coddling, like where, you know, where we're over-optimizing for retention. Like we just want to hang on. If you're an employee, then you matter. You know, um, not every plant is right for a certain kind of soil, for a certain kind of conditions. You shouldn't have a culture that is so relentlessly open-minded that you have no standards. Um, You know, people need to be able to, this is a big part of mattering, I think, or maybe meaning, is connect their individual personal values, their individual goals, their their kind of life's task to the degree that they understand it, be able to connect those things with the company. This is about fit. This is what it comes down to, right? And I think, if you have someone who for any number of excellent reasons isn't a good fit, then trying to double down on helping them matter in the workplace is maybe not the right move. Maybe the better move is to help them find some place where they will matter. Yeah. Matters yeah, not no, quite I, the right word. It fits more, but I, you know, I'm just trying no, to draw I think, a connection. I think that's exactly what I was getting at when I was asking, what if an employee doesn't matter? Like, is the is the answer find a way to make them matter? You know, which really would be another way of saying, like, you want to retain all your employees at all times, regardless of their contribution, right? Which is sort of would be a silly way to run a business. You don't want to retain all employees. Sometimes an employee is not a good fit. They're not working out. They're not happy to be there. You're not getting much out of them. And they'd probably, you know, everybody can be happy somewhere. So if they're not happy here and you're just keeping them, then you're getting in the way of them finding the place where they would be happy. You're not doing them any favors. How many people should be finding that other place, but they're sticking around for the matcha lattes? 
<laughs> well, it's scary. I mean, in fairness, like part of having a job is having stability in your life, right? I have my health insurance and I know where I go to work and I figured out my commute and like, you know, my family is safe. And, uh, you know, th there's a lot built in, especially, you know, I mean, not to go down the rabbit hole, but like in this country where like your health benefits are tied to your job. Oh my God. Don't get me started on that. Yeah. We should do an episode on that because that is such a, not only is it frustrating for me personally for moral reasons, sorry, I'm totally cutting you off. No, that's okay. Um, I think we're about to say the same thing, but it's it's actually a massive drag on economic productivity. Totally. If, if that's your bag, baby, right? Like if you want to talk in those terms, give people meaningful options for independent healthcare that isn't, uh, that isn't implicitly tied, uh, explicitly tied to their employment. Give people meaningful functioning money and retirement savings options that aren't explicitly tied to their employment. And so that when people lose a job or feel like ah, this isn't the right place for me, I should go find someplace new. It's not some massive existential crisis that threatens the, you know, yeah. the health and safety of their family. <laughs> right. Well, and, th and that's, that's what, that's what, how this is connected to mattering, right? It, it, prevents people from feeling free to go find a place where they're going to be happy because it's scary to think, yeah, I mean, you know, it's easy for us to say like, just quit your job. You're not happy. Go find someplace you'll be happy. But like, what if I don't find the place where I'm going to be happy quickly? What if it takes six months? What if it takes a year? What if it takes right. two years? What if I'm 50 years old and now I'm feeling unemployable and like, this could be a disaster. I'll just stay here and be Less happy. I mean, I can do it. I can. Right. almost retirement. I have things in my life that are more important than my personal happiness. Yeah, exactly. And that's good. I mean, that that is a righteous perspective on the world. I think it's right. just sad, and and it creates all sorts of problems in terms of employers being like, okay, I guess this person's just going to stick around, even though clearly they don't want to be here for a variety of reasons. Who knows why? Um, is it still our responsibility to make sure they feel like they matter? Like, even if we feel like they don't really matter and not that they don't matter as a human being on this earth, but like, they're not contributing here. You know, we're not getting much out of them. They don't, it doesn't seem like they want to be here. So, but they're staying, you know, what, what do you do in that kind of situation? And that happens, I think, kind of an absurd amount of the time. <laughs> Way, way more than I think anyone would like it to. So what are what are our takeaways from this? Yeah, I, I mean, all right. So, you know, this is all about jobs to journeys, right? That's what we talk about. That's mm -hmm. our thing. That's that's what we have to sort of bring it back to. So I think when you if you can create an environment as an employer, if you can create an infrastructure as an employer by providing coaching, by providing, you know, team meetings, by providing uh, employee recognition, um, by serving. It, the last one that I didn't go over was uh, surveying employees regularly and acting on their feedback, you know, make sure they feel heard. People want to be seen. People want to be heard, right? If you can create the conditions where people are both seen and heard, you're doing your job as an employer to make people to set the stage for people to feel like they matter. Right. And then they've got to decide whether they're going to, 
you know, do the things that make them matter. Um, but if, if, you know, if you can set that kind of stage, then you are setting people up to be able to go on a journey. They are on a journey here at this organization. They are learning. They are growing. They are becoming better versions of themselves. They are getting recognized for their contributions. They're feeling good about coming to work. Well, if they're feeling good about coming to work, if they want to be there because it makes them feel good on a human level, because they feel like they're becoming better, you nailed it. Like the work will get done and they'll, they'll hustle for you forever, right? Because that's, they're getting something out of it too, you know? So this is, I mean, really, this is just one lens through which to look at the concept of turning jobs into journeys. Creating a mattering environment is one way to, to turn jobs into journeys. I think that's the best way to sum it up. Why don't we end it there? Sounds good. This is great. Thanks, Doug. Thanks, Gabe. Well, there you have it. Another episode of Learning at Work. I hope you found it fun and insightful. If you want to learn more about the Cultivate Me method of turning jobs into journeys, visit us on the web at cultivateme.xyz or send an email to hello at cultivateme.xyz. Be well, and I'll see you in the next episode.